Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, we're back with you on a Thursday on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM this Entire block is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Raise your cocktail game. I order my sidecar the original way. That's with Remy Martin cognac and lemon juice. And I bring that up because yesterday Remy Martin was a part of the big rollout of the uh, Raiders Tavern and Grill over at the M Resort and Casino. And I had the pleasure after the show yesterday of going over there for the ribbon cutting. And it was fantastic. Unbelievable experience over there. So I just wanted to share it with everybody. we got a lot of Raider fans. We have more Raider fans streaming this show than ever, and we really appreciate that. If you're listening on the Raiders app or LV Sports Network, your mobile device, we really appreciate that. So I raced out of here after the show yesterday over to Henderson to the M, and we got there for the ribbon-cutting ceremony. There was great media there in attendance, including our buddy Chris Matthews from 8 News Now, bunch of reporters who were there covering it and as I got there with my wife I saw my buddy uh, Tori from Remy Martin and the entire team his entire team Ryan were there and we had a chance to catch up for a few minutes and then we walked in together they had a media session and you walk in to the Raiders Tavern and Grill and right when you walk in the bar is Modelo Modelo chairs the Modelo imaging it's fantastic and all this Raider legendary memorabilia. I started looking at that. Jim Otto jerseys, Fred Bolitnikoff helmets, uh, Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson. I'm talking legit stuff that the Raiders put in there with their partnership. So we looked at that. Then we went to the back of the bar. So the back of the room is all Remy Martin. So Remy Martin's got a private room, and then they have a bar in the back that overlooks the pool. And it was really nice. A lot of guys in sports radio were there yesterday. So we had a lot of fun and uh, sat down and tried some of their food. And then who walks in but Charles Woodson? And we had a chance to spend some time with Charles and congratulate him in person on the Hall of Fame. And he was there because he partnered with his Intercept Wine for the launch. So Charles is really building this great business with his wine. The Bolitnikovs just launched a wine, which is fantastic, by the way. They sent me some, and we're going to have it here this weekend. But uh, getting back to Charles, he was there With Marcel Reese, Uh, Charles was there doing business, and he was flying back to Florida literally the next day, and it was just great to see Charles in such a good space now as a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. The induction ceremony's coming up, but obviously he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and just to see him on that level and knowing Charles over the years. You know, Charles was an interesting guy to get to know when he was a Raider because, you know, you just didn't walk up to Charles Woodson, and you didn't see Charles Woodson out a lot. But then Charles Woodson, when he won the Commitment to Excellence Awards a few times, he really uh, brought me into his world behind the scenes to talk with him more and get to know him. So I'm honored to call him a friend. It was just great to see him in that space yesterday with the team president, Mark Bedane, who put that deal together with the M. So it was a very special day. So what I wanted to bring up here, and look, there are so many people that live in Vegas on different parts of town, and there's going to be you know, Raider establishments where you go to. You know, I love the Westgate with Jay Cornegay, the Circa, 
I think does an unbelievable job. And then there's going to be a whole bunch of Raider bars that I've been to. Stage Door, I've been there a couple of times. They've treated me nothing like perfectly, just like family. So there's a lot of places that are going to pull us in different directions. But I'll tell you about this. This was special. So if you're over in that side of town in Henderson, get on over there. It opens up officially. So when they were talking about the opening yesterday, and I was talking to Patrick Durkin, who's the GM, he says they're going to, I couldn't believe, he says they're going to be open 24 hours. He said it's going to be open for Raider fans at 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did I hear that right? And I believe it is. And I'll get clarification on it because it's a casino. Casinos are open all the time. So you'll be able to get food there. We tried the menu. It was fantastic. And then the atmosphere was great. And it's kind of high end in a good way. I mean, the marble, the chairs, the tables, the views was really cool. But I think you'll like it because they have a Raiders store that is there that you could buy jerseys and T-shirts and anything that's Raider related. But what I thought was pretty cool is you go to the restroom that you could see all the three Super Bowls on the wall and the trophies, the images of that and the images of the legendary players. And that was great. They put a lot of money into this and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I don't know exactly what we're doing, but we're going to be doing some remotes and some shows over there and maybe some road games when the Raiders are on the road. But I just wanted to tell everybody who's coming in from out of town, that's the official team hotel of the Raiders. And there's a lot of choices to go watch sports in this town. Uh, My favorite, as I always tell you, is PTs. They've been my longest relationship here on the radio. You can always watch a game there and have a good time. But if you're a Raider fan and you're inside the M, you can't miss it. The Raiders Tavern and Grill. It's a casino property, and it's just gorgeous. And I was blown away. And as my wife and I were leaving, and we were at Valet, and there were a couple of people from the Raiders staff that we were talking to, everybody was really blown away by that. It was so cool to see them, and that's their first ever Tavern and Grill, and I'm assuming they're going to do more uh, down the road, but this will be the flagship. So congratulations to everybody in the Raider organization, everybody who was in attendance, everybody who was there, and I highly recommend it uh, because they're a partner of our show, Remy Martin, our friends at Modelo, and more to come. So get on out there. What I also wanted to do here as we wrap up the week, we spent a lot of time this week talking about the draft. And Yahoo put out a mock draft today. It came up on my phone. And it, it just gave me my point again of what I've been talking about again that the first 10 picks in this draft on mock drafts that I'm collecting, I like to collect mock drafts this time of year. And some of these mock drafts, they all come to the same conclusion that I've been telling you. Here it is. I have it. So I'll retweet this at JT the Brick. It's Yahoo's mock draft. And it says the mystery begins with the 49ers with the number three pick. And Eric Edholm put this uh, draft together, and he's really good. So Trevor Lawrence goes number one. We all know that. At number two, Yahoo has Zach Wilson uh, going to the Jets from BYU. Number three, the 49ers take Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Number four, the best offensive lineman to Atlanta, Penny Sewell from Oregon. Brilliant, best player, might be the best player in the draft, and he might have gone number one if there wasn't a run on quarterbacks. At number five, the Bengals take Kyle Pitts. Let's stop there for a second. His comp is Waller. He looks like Darren Waller. He plays like Darren Waller. The difference is when Darren came into the league, no one knew him, and he was there in Baltimore, and the story's incredible how the Raiders watched him warm up 
before a Raider Baltimore game and were blown away by his freakish size and his athleticism. And the Raiders started at that moment to scout him and want to bring him to the Raiders. And he's turned out to be a pro bowler right there with Travis Kelsey. So Pitts comes into the league with much more acclaim than Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller ever did. So this draft has him going number five. At number six, Jamar Chase, the receiver who had the great day yesterday from LSU. I agree with that. He goes to play in Miami with Tua. Now here we go at number seven, the player that I want for the Raiders. More than any player, more than anybody, Micah Parsons, Penn State's linebacker. He won't be there for the Raiders. But I think he's great. And I would love if the Raiders traded up with Detroit to get him if they had to give up a first-round pick. That's, what, that's how highly I think of Micah Parsons. But let's take him off the board. At number eight, they have Carolina taking Justin Fields, the quarterback, from Carolina. Now, I don't see Justin Fields getting all the way to number eight. If he does, Carolina gets him tremendous value, and Matt Rule has his quarterback for a decade. Number nine, Denver, Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama. So by the ninth pick in this mock draft, all the quarterbacks are gone. And then at number 10, the Cowboys select Patrick Sertain, the second, the great corner from Alabama. So why do I bring this up? I bring this up because the Raiders pick 17. So now the players that are left that the Raiders can take are incredible. Now the Raiders can concentrate, if they want, on the defensive side of the ball. So what will be available at 17 so far? Quiddy Pay from Michigan hasn't been selected. Or Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher from Miami. Those are two. I think one of them could be available. I think Quiddy Pay will be gone. Then we get to the offensive linemen that I think are still going to go before 17. Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. And then after Penny Sewell was already taken, Christian Derisaw, who everybody seems to be talking about from Virginia Tech. So a lot of people that I'm talking to and you on the air this week are starting to lean towards the Raiders taking a tackle, an offensive lineman with the 17th pick overall. And Elijah Vera Tucker, the tackle from USC, should be available. So the point that I'm making by the 10th pick in the draft being gone in a mock draft, only one offensive lineman is gone in all the mock drafts that I see, and that's Penny Sewell. So the Raiders at 17 are picking 7th. Because the 10 are gone that we know is going to be gone. Now the Raiders get to pick seventh with this elite group that we've talked about all week. And I don't think there's going to be any shockwaves. I hope, you know, I don't miss anything here. Could the Raiders take Devontae Smith of Alabama, the great wide receiver, if he drops all the way there? I doubt it. They have Henry Ruggs. They have Henry Ruggs. They don't need another wide receiver from Alabama. They got to get the one going. And if they don't get Micah Parsons, who drops that far, then they could possibly look at the edge rushers that I'm talking about. So as we get to Thursday, and I'm wrapping up the week, Rashawn Slater of Northwestern, um, Elijah Vera Tucker, the tackle from USC, Christian Darashaw from Virginia Tech, and I'll get his name perfectly right when I keep saying it, and then the edge rushers that were spending time with Quiddy Pay from Michigan and Jalen Phillips from Miami and Greg Rousseau from Miami. One of those guys are easily going to be there. Easily going to be there for the Raiders. So the point of this week is don't sweat it, Raider Nation. The best thing that happened was all these pro days that came and went. And they were all really good. And all the quarterbacks are going to go in the top eight or nine. 
and that's going to do a traffic jam, a log jam, so Mike Mayock and Gruden can sit in the war room and go, okay, all the quarterbacks have been taken. We got Derek Carr. We're good. We got Darren Waller, so we didn't need Kyle Pitts. And we never had a chance to get Jamar Chase from LSU. He's gone. And Penny Sewell was not going to be there. We knew that. Now let's put our heads together and find the player who's available. And if the Raiders got to go from 17 to 12 or 17 to 14, this is the first time that I'm ever going to say great. Because if they get that impact defensive player, that absolute stud who's available, I think that Mike Mayock and John Gruden has to, has to pull the trigger and go up and get him. And if not, because they're looking for right tackle and three of these offensive linemen are available and one of them falls to them and they take a tackle who's going to start, then we could all live with that and I'll be fine with that as long as I don't hear anybody say they're going to develop the right tackle. No, no, we're not here to take a right tackle and develop them. The right tackle has to start. He has to come in and play opening day in a 17-game schedule in 18 weeks with three preseason games and little or limited OTAs, depending on what happens. So this is big time. Hell of a job this week by Bobby booking all of our draft guests. I just wanted to recap what we were doing. I want to recap and thank Remy Martin for everything they do for the show here and remind everybody that it's open now. Uh, Yesterday was the ribbon-cutting ceremony, and now it's open to the public. If you get a chance this weekend, head on out to the M Resort and Casino. Walk around if you haven't seen it. uh, Do whatever you're doing, but go get a bite to eat. Go get a beverage. Go get a Remy Martin cocktail. Maybe you'll see me there because I plan on being out there again. There's some friends in town. I wanted to show them that. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, We got a big show continued going here. We got a lot to get to. Sean Farnham from ESPN. UCLA player, now a great analyst for ESPN, is going to join us about the Final Four coming up here. Real quick story. Last night on my SiriusXM show, there's a caller named Mike in OC, Mike in Orange County. He's a diehard Bruin fan. And I don't think the Bruins have a chance to beat Gonzaga. Do you? I don't even think they can keep it close. But look what they've done. So I told Mike in the OC that if the Bruins win, I'll fly he and his wife out on Southwest Airlines, to Las Vegas for one night to stay at my condo at the Palms, and they could have a weekend on me for one night, round-trip airfare, if UCLA wins, which I don't think they will. I think I'm safe. I don't gamble, as you know. I've never placed a sports bet in my life, but I guess this constitutes a bet. Uh, More than a little bit of a bet, a couple of round-trip airline tickets. I hope Southwest has those uh, rapid rewards points locked in. We could use them there. All right, a lot more to get to. Sean Farnham, former UCLA Bruin and now great analyst for ESPN when we continue right here, Raider Nation Radio on 920 AM. These guys get all the credit, though, Allie. Unbelievable heart, toughness. Nobody picked us. Nobody believed in us. That's how we like it. Obviously, we know our next assignment is tough. Their resiliency is unbelievable, Allie, to just continue to stop such a great team like Michigan. 
That is Mick Cronin, the head coach of UCLA, and UCLA is in the Final Four on Saturday. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. JT here. Uh, Sean Farnham will join us from Indianapolis momentarily. He is wrapping up another interview. We'll have him here. And as we told you last night uh, with Remy Martin, we appreciate everybody who showed up. Great time out there at the M Resort and Casino. We got remotes coming. We got big things happening on the show as we get you ready. Uh, My plan for the next couple of weeks is heavy draft. So uh, coming back on Monday, we just start our draft coverage every day. So every one of the analysts that we have, the Raider insiders, everybody that I'm talking to within the Raider universe will be about the 17th pick in the draft. That's what we're doing. I think it's the best way to cover this. Let's just concentrate on the draft and what the Raiders need to do. And we'll get you familiar with the players who should be available there. All right, Sean is ready. Let's go to Indianapolis. My longtime friend, a former colleague where we used to work at together, uh, Sean Farnham joins us. He's now with ESPN, and he works with me here in Vegas with Coaches versus Cancer with Lon Kruger. Sean, thanks for coming on, my friend, and making a few minutes on the breaking news, too. Roy Williams just retired today. What did he mean to you and the sport of college basketball? Well, I, first of all, I mean, we lost two legends in, on the sideline this week uh, to retirement. Uh, Lon Kruger, obviously his announcement, uh, and then follow that up with Roy Williams. Uh, what we lose is two guys that were just incredible teachers. They weren't, they're not coaches, they're teachers. They're, motiv- they're, they're mentors, uh, and they spent their entire life uh, trying to help others. And you, you mentioned, you know, Roy and work in the rooms in Vegas, um, whether it's at the craps table as well at the MGM, he always had his spot with his little uh, sweater <laughs> yes. vest on. And the big question I have is, does this mean he'll be a little bit more lenient in letting others maybe drive Michael Jordan's golf cart at Shadow Creek? Because if, if I get to ride in the Tar Heel blue with the Jumpman logo on it, the 23 on the side with the, the nice chrome wheels, I, I will feel like this year's Coaches versus Cancer event will be even bigger and better than ever. What's funny about this, because we're both working during that, and we, what I mean by working, it's not hard. We MC some of their events, and we did it at the MGM, and it keeps evolving, and we had to deal with COVID last year. As we get to golf at Southern Highlands and Shadow Creek, and for our listeners, those are two of the best golf courses in all of America, and these coaches come out there, and they're really appreciative of it. And for Coach Williams, you know, the Kansas connection, the North Carolina connection – it is really deep to have a legacy that long with so many iconic players and young men that he helped get to the next level. Well, you're talking about pro after pro. And, look, he took yeah. over a North Carolina program at the time that had been uh, kind of flipping in, in its stature off the national stage. And very quickly, he, he righted that ship and has won multiple national championships uh, in Tar Heel Blue uh, and just a tremendous job of creating the culture and reestablishing North Carolina for the program that we all anticipate and expect it to be on a year-in and year-out basis. And, and obviously there's some years that are a little bit different, and this year was one of those years where you know, it wasn't quite the same in which we've seen. Um, but I, I think that COVID-19 has made a lot of people pause uh, and kind of reflect on what their priorities are and where they are in life. I, I know it has for me, and I'm 43 years old, um, so I can't imagine what it's like as a coach that has accomplished so much like Roy Williams to be like, okay, at what point in time do I walk away and say, you know, I've accomplished everything I can here. Uh, there's another stage of my life that I still want to get to. You know, do I need this stress anymore? Do I need the grind? Do I need the criticism, the critiquing that goes on on a day-in and day-out basis when you're, you're the captain of, 
of that ship, whether it's a North Carolina, whether it's a Kentucky, a Duke, a UCLA, whatever it may be in the college basketball world of Kansas, you know, do, do you want that at this point in time in your life, and do you need it? And, and I think that's, that's mm-hmm. part of the equation that went into it for Roy Williams to make this decision to announce that he's stepping down at Carolina. And, and, and I think there's also probably a good idea in Roy's head at least um, that where the program's going to be next and, and who's going to be getting the keys uh, to the car uh, because I, I just think that's the tradition of, of Carolina basketball is to stay in family. And with that being said, I think there's a couple names that come to mind immediately. Wes Miller, uh, to me, would be the number one choice. Former North Carolina walk-on uh, who's done a tremendous job at UNCG. Uh, has led them to the NCAA tournament a couple of times. Uh, he's been one of the better young coaches that we have in college basketball out of the SOCON. Um, and it would make sense to bring him back. Uh, Hubert Davis, obviously a former colleague of mine at ESPN, who's been on Roy Williams' bench. Uh, mm-hmm. For the last, I think, six years, probably maybe maybe a little bit less than six years, uh, but he's been he's been uh, part of that Carolina family and in the coaching fraternity now. Uh, could they turn the keys over to him and let him go? Those are those are two of the names that kind of come to mind immediately if they're going to stay in house and in family. Sean Farnham's our guest from ESPN. So you gave me with all the insiders we've had on, and we've had on a bunch. You gave me the best analysis of Gonzaga when a couple of weeks ago. I talked about what I thought could be a tougher road because of the coaches. Lon at Oklahoma, then I expected Virginia, they got knocked out. And then I expected either Dana Altman or Fran McCaffrey, they got knocked out. Then it was USC, and it's been kind of an easy road for them. And now I see your former team, UCLA. And my mind's telling me, and I've watched every UCLA game, and they are gritty and they are tough. They get every 50-50 ball. Cronin's doing an amazing job slowing the game down. I don't see how they could even be competitive with Gonzaga, but I know you're going to tell me I'm wrong. How does UCLA keep it close? I don't know if you're wrong. I don't know, and that's hard for me to say, obviously, because you know I wore that uniform. Um, and I was in, I'm in Indianapolis right now. I was at the game uh, the other night uh, watching and cheering them on against Michigan. I was blown away with their defensive effort that, that got it to 49 points uh, for a very good offensive team in Michigan. Um, and I was, I was just trying to think, like, what would I do if I was Mick Cronin? And if, if I was Mick Cronin, what I would do, JT, is I would go back and watch the 2019 WCC championship game. And I know it's a completely different team for Gonzaga than it was that night. But I think the recipe isn't all that different. You know, and, and you work the middle third of the floor. You set on-ball screens. You, you work the last third of the shot clock. You don't turn it over. You collapse your defense inside the paint. You force them to shoot contested jump shots out over the top uh, against a set defense. And, and I think that's your best opportunity. And remember that year, Jordan Ford and, and St. Mary's lost by 40. By 40. I had to wear a cowboy hat because I made a bet with a student that if they were up by 40, I'd wear a cowboy hat. And sure enough, Gonzaga went up by 40 and won the game in Spokane. And, and you come back less than a month later and they lose, and they had their lowest point total of the season. They shot their worst field goal percentage. They shot 11% from beyond the arc in that game in 2019. And so can you look back on that and say, okay, personnel is different, but maybe stylistically this is the best chance for us to be successful. And I think that's what Mick Cronin has to do. The difficult part in that is the defensive coverage is how do you defend Drew Timmy? Because if you play one-on-one with Drew Timmy, as we saw with the, you know, USC tried to do for a little while, that didn't work out too well. Uh, if, you, if you double him, that means you're leaving Andrew Nemhard, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, or Joel Ayayi wide open to move without the ball, 
cut to the basket or spot up for a ball reversal three, and then that's problematic. And that's what makes Gonzaga so special is the fact that they have the best ball movement, but maybe even more importantly, the best man movement that I've seen in college basketball in the last you know 20 years. We haven't seen a team move with the fluidity of this team, organized and flow straight from their transition, understanding spacing, awareness, how they want to attack, how they want to play. We have not seen a team execute at this level for this long. They are number one in the, in the country in field goal percentage inside the paint, inside the, 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 the three-point line. They score more points in the paint than anybody in the country, uh, and that would be a huge concern for me in this game for UCLA. So defensively, I want to pack it in. Offensively, though, is where my big concern is for UCLA because you have to score points to beat Gonzaga. You can't score 51 points and think you're going to beat Gonzaga. That's not going to happen. Nobody's held them under 74 points all season long. So you know you're going to get 70 points. Johnny Juzang, without him, I mean, they barely scored 20 points in that game against Michigan. And so if I'm putting myself in Mark Fuse's position, I'm like, okay, this guy has 108 points in his first five NCAA tournament games, second most in UCLA history just behind Lou Alcindor and tied with Bill Walton. That's how good Johnny Juzang has been in this NCAA tournament. So you say, okay, how do we stop them from scoring? Well, let's just focus our attention on Johnny Juzang and see if these other guys can beat us because they haven't been asked to so far. So can we, can we get them out of their comfort zone and take away Johnny Juzang? And where will where were the Bruins score enough points to beat us? And I think that's, that's the big concern I have going into Saturday night's game. Wow, great analysis from Sean Farnham as we wrap it up from ESPN. Houston offensive rebounding, is that the key? Kind of like a 40 minutes of hell. All the guards attack the rim, rebound, 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 press. What's the game plan for Houston to beat Baylor? I think it's beat them up. I think it starts with just beating them up. Uh, go, I would suggest any fans that have the opportunity to go back and watch the Texas Tech-Houston game from earlier this year. I mean, that was as physical as a basketball game as I've seen. And my full anticipation is that they are – and their guards, by the way, are really good. We talk so much about Baylor's guards, who might be the best in the country as far as depth and quality. Uh, but it's not like Quentin Grimes, uh, Dejan Giroux, and, and Marcus Sasser are that far behind. They're offensively, they can't shoot the ball as well from beyond the arc as Baylor can. So I expect this game to be extremely physical from start. I expect them to pressure and, and, and make Baylor feel them. And, and I expect a slower-paced game. I would think this game's going to be played in the 60s. So if you have friends in the desert, uh, I expect both teams to be in the 60s in this game. I don't think it's going to get to the 70s. I don't think anyone's going to blow anyone out in this game uh, just based on the toughness and, and this, the, where they hang their hat at the defensive end of the floor. And I think the, the interior of Houston is a lot stronger uh, than people give them credit for, meaning that their physical, that rebounding nature, the ability to catch in the paint and finish through contact, I think is going to be extremely important for Houston. And I, and I don't put it out of the realm of possibility that they pull off the upset and we don't get the game that everybody thinks we're going to see on Monday night, which would be Baylor and, and Gonzaga. But if we get that game on Monday night, JT, there was a book written, The Last Great Game, and it was about that Kentucky-Duke game with Leitner's shot and how great of a game that was, and that's the last great game we maybe ever seen in college basketball. They might have to rewrite that book again and put The Last Great Game Part 2 because this Baylor-Gonzaga matchup is the most anticipated, would be the most anticipated national championship that we have seen in college basketball in at least the last 30 years because we haven't seen – two teams that have established themselves as great as they had over the course of the entire season. 
Gonzaga being number one from start all the way until now. Baylor was number two all the way through until their COVID pause. They came back. They, they hit a couple pumps in the road, and then they've refound who they are here in the NCAA tournament. Their shooting is back to normal, uh, and they're back to that level. It, it's, it would be an epic contest for us to enjoy on Monday night. Awesome, my friend. Uh, last thing, tell us, we got the Farnham flatbread up in Spokane for the Zagalicious, Gonzaga and all that. You're there. I know it's not the St. Elmo's experience that they typically have at the Combine, but what about Indy? What about the fans you see on the street? What about the parents and some of the people that are able to go into these games and they come out? What are they saying about this kind of soft bubble and the experience they're having? I mean, it's, it's, it's eerie to look out my window and I don't see a single person within two blocks of my hotel walking on the street right now. Not one. Not one. And for a Final Four, JT, you've been to plenty of them. You know that that's not the norm. Uh, however, what, what made me feel really good was the other night for the UCLA-Michigan uh, game. There were 17,500 fans there. And while there was a ton more Michigan fans than there were UCLA fans, the chants, the claps, the, 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 the pageantry that is college sports was live. And you felt like there was an environment there that was worthy of an NCAA tournament. And I know there's going to be 17,500 in attendance uh, for t- tomorrow night's games, or Saturday night's games, rather. And it's going to be fantastic. The energy level isn't ha- doesn't have to be self ex- self-starting like it's been for a majority of the season for these kids. And for them to experience it on this stage, on the court that they're playing on, I think it's, it's going to feel normal. It's good. You're going to have the emotion. You're going to have the passion. And you're going to be able to hear the crowd through the television set, which is something I think we've, we've all too often missed uh, during the, the last year. Thanks, Sean. Have a great time out there. I'll see you in Vegas for Coaches versus Cancer. Appreciate your time, buddy. Can't, can't wait, JT. Thanks, Sean. How about that? That's a nice hit. From Sean Farnham. Appreciate him checking in from Indianapolis there. You get the whole vibe of what's happening now. I don't see I don't see UCLA even making it a game, but they make every game a game. I've been wrong. On the bracket that I had, you couldn't even choose UCLA. You couldn't choose them in the tournament to win a game. They weren't on the bracket because they played in the play-in game. And now they're in the Final Four, which is remarkable. So all they want to do is mud it up, muck it up, slow it down, do something. And they're going to try to do that. So Gonzaga plays a beautiful game, a perfect brand of basketball. And the only way UCLA can beat them is if they do something very dramatic, very dramatic, which is fouling, chaos, all of this. And we'll see what happens. Aaron Judge just strikes out in the bottom of the ninth inning. Yankees had, I'm going to lose my mind here. The Yankees had a runner on second with no outs to start the inning. They didn't bunt. So Jay Bruce struck out. And then... Judge comes up, he strikes out, and LeMayu, their MVP candidate, grounds into a bases-loaded force at home plate. So they go to the 10th inning in the Bronx. They just butchered, butchered that inning as a Yankee fan. They call me Cranky Yankee. That's a nickname that they have for me. My wife came up with that, Cranky Yankee. And I'm Cranky Yankee. I cannot enjoy the Yankees. They won't let me enjoy it. They haven't won since 2009. It's 2021. Think of that. The biggest payroll, big team, Paul Bunyan, Stanton, they can't win. So I'm losing my mind. Judge can't even hit the ball. What's the use of having Judge if he can't hit? If Judge is going to strike out twice a game, get rid of him. Get me someone who can put the ball in play. All the Yankees had to do here was bunt. They got a runner on second, no outs, bottom of the ninth. Little League coaches, what do you do? 
You have you get someone off the bench, bunt. They bunt the ball. Guy goes to third, out at first. Now you got a runner on third with one out. You get a pop up to the outfield. You win the game. And the Yankees are swinging like Paul Bunyan and strikeout. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. At least I get paid to talk and watch my team. They give me agita, as my mom would say. They're just tough to watch. Oh, so happy I'm a Yankee fan. And they bring me little joy for over a decade. Little joy. Raider Nation, bring me some joy, please. Some playoff games. I'm working 20 weeks of Raider football, three three preseason, 17 games. Raider Nation, bring me the joy that I'm waiting for. Sam from Sam and Ash on deck. Stick around. We'll talk about how bad the roads are. Get a forehand shot away, but he tried to go back in. Point shot. Theodore scores! He got it through traffic. And Shay Theodore gets the Knights back on the scoreboard, trailing 4-2. to Yeah, a little too late uh, for the Knights as they lost last night. JT back with you on Raider Nation Radio. Good to have you. It's opening day in baseball. The Dodgers coming off their championship last year. A lot of games in progress as I bring in my good friend Sam from SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Sam, I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. I'm coming downtown to see you and to see the office. How are you, my friend? (laughs) I'm great, JT. We can't wait to have you. I can't wait to see it because I haven't been down in the neighborhood recently due to COVID and all the issues down there. You have adapted well. You love it. You're Vegas, and you love downtown. Tell me about everything that's changed since you moved in and built that beautiful office. Well, we moved, you know, I th- thank you for all your support. So we moved in, uh, I think, what was it, like a month before the shutdown. Right. And so we were excited to do First Friday, which is a big art uh, f- festival fair that happens uh, the first Friday of every month. We were excited to get, you know, go out to local businesses and restaurants and everything. And we, we get here, we show up, and everything just shuts down. So right now what I love is that we're, we're coming back, and people feel – I, I really can tell there's a different energy now than even 30 days ago. People are definitely coming out. They're they're less afraid uh, to go out and eat. Restaurants are getting busy again. Uh, people are are back at work, uh, and the neighborhood's coming back to life. So I'm I'm very optimistic. I'm a big cheerleader for our town, for yeah. our city, our community, and um, I'm excited to have you come see it. Yeah, and for you, you could walk to the courthouse, great dining. Circa just opened up down there, provided all those jobs Derek did for everybody there. It feels like it's a different era for downtown in that area where you're based right in the middle of it. Hey, Derek made a billion-dollar debt uh, bet on uh, on downtown Vegas. And, yeah. you, you know, Circa, if you haven't been, anybody listening, if you haven't been to Circa, because I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was talking about Circa, and they've lived here forever, and they go, what? I like. I mean, it's a beautiful, uh, uh, new uh, hotel and casino uh, on free at the end of Fremont Street, uh, in downtown, and it's it's really a spectacular building. Lots of great food places. Some very fancy. Some casual. Uh, fun bars. There's a legacy. Uh, lounge uh, that's on the roof of the building, and so it's got the most spectacular views of 
of the strip, of the mountains, of the valley, and they've got a rooftop deck even out there. So when you yeah, drive by correct. and they see the circus sign, it's right at the top. Just stunning. The Legacy Club, it's fantastic. We're talking to Sam from SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve right, what's right. Now, I want to get into the roads. My wife and I drove last night in between shows to go to the M for the grand opening of the Raiders Tavern and Grill. And we yep. were driving on the 215 trying to get on the 15, and someone about missed the exit and came <laughs> flying three lanes across, almost took out a car. Now that the cars are getting back on the road, it's insanity with construction and what's happening. What have you noticed with your clients? Well, I'm glad you're bringing this up because the roads are nuts. And I, I think my theory is, is that everybody was at home for so long that they, one, forgot how to drive. And two, they forgot how to be courteous. <laughs> Just, like the, I have seen terrible accidents where, uh, unfortunately, there's a, an, an uptick of calls and people needing our help. You know, we obviously are standing by 24/7 to to help you if you if you have been in an accident. I'm I, one thing you I want all of your listeners to to know is that there is also a tremendous amount of impaired driving right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been a number of high-profile stories, but people, I think people at home have, have you know, this, this year, 2020 was a tough year. I think a lot of people have, have uh, doubled down on some, some unhealthy habits, and, but there's, I, I think the statistic right now is that one in five drivers on the road at any time, not just at night, are driving with marijuana in their system, alcohol, uh, other drugs, mm -hmm. prescription drugs. So you, just please be careful, head on a swivel, pay attention. Yeah, I, I hope when you drive, JT, that you are, are, are just assume that everyone out there is, is out to get you because that's, you know, be, be safe and, and be a defensive driver. Sam joins us from Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. Hey, the number is easy, 702-820-1234. If you get into an accident, you need to talk to attorneys. You get two for one. You get Sam and Ashley, they're the best in town. I trust them. They're friends of the show, 702-820-1234. You bring up an interesting point. There are no Ubers, and I've been talking about this, and my wife and I, we, we're not, we haven't tried in the last couple of weeks. We haven't gone out a lot, but we're starting to go out a little bit more. I can't get an Uber. It used to be by the time my wife was ready to go out, I'd look at her and I'd go, no, no, no. I, I'm going to dial an Uber. It's going to get here in under two minutes. And it was always that case. Now it's 27 minutes. It's 40 minutes. It's an hour. And I believe, my theory, that's going to lead to DUIs. More people are going to say, hey, I wanted to take an Uber. I couldn't get one. I'm going to get in the car, go to dinners, go out drinking, impairment. Am I onto something there? A hundred percent. And I was talking about this with Ashley, and she made a great point in that this is the result of the emergency order that's still in place regarding COVID and a restriction on surge pricing. And and here's the thing. You know, surge pricing is, is um, a free market operating in a way that addresses supply and demand. And I think, you know, I again, I, I, I think there's, I, there, there's other factors too in it, but I, I think that these – these Ubers that are the Uber can't charge any any sur sur surge pricing. Then there's not enough cars, and the cars that are out there, uh, you know, can't can't make a you know a, a larger profit, which would in turn attract other drivers into the pool. And yeah, the the net effect we've we've, I mean, cabs too. By the way, I mean they're they're hard mm -hmm. to find because they've dwindled, and um, and now with Uber out of the equation, I would say probably the last month six weeks. I mean, even at the airport, you're waiting 30 minutes at the airport to get an Uber. So it's, it's pretty bad. Sam joins us, SamAndAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Yeah, I haven't experienced that yet. I travel a lot. I haven't been to the airport looking for an Uber on the way back. 
wait till that volcano explodes when people are waiting at McCarran there instead of two minutes they're waiting an hour hour and a half and what about the construction here because it is yellow cones everywhere so someone gets into an accident you always tell me get safe get to the side of the road make sure you're safe and then before anything else happens you're dealing with the tow truck you're dealing with all that the cars get taken away call you guys directly you jump on the case immediately Absolutely. Don't wait. Don't talk to even to your insurance company. Don't give any statements. And also don't go with the guy that got referred by the tow truck driver. There's a lot of that kind of hinky stuff in this town. And there's all sorts of backroom deals that have been cut. There's no backroom deal here. You know who we are. You know me. You know Ashley. You know the service that we provide. You've seen our office. Uh, so I, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm glad to get your endorsement and, and support. Uh, but, I, you know, there's, you know, get the right lawyer. It makes a difference. Not just any lawyer, but the right lawyer. And we do things right. All right, so what else are you excited about here as Vegas is starting to open up? Obviously, I'm going to see you tomorrow. We're going to have a great uh, meeting together, but the encouragement that you have in this town, all of your clients, when you, when you solve a case at the end, when you put a case to bed and you win, and then you see the look in your eyes of your clients here, and you know Vegas is coming back, and you're all around town, and you're giving back to the community. I don't know if a guy, Sam, was more bullish on Vegas than you. I'm all in. And I can't wait. I'm, when I see you, I'm going to tell you just how in on Vegas I am because uh, the wife and I made a, a, are making a little move here uh, to, uh, to downtown, as a matter of fact. We, I, I put my nice. money where my mouth is, and I'm, I'm moving to downtown with my kids and everybody, and I'm really excited. It's a little bit of personal news that I'm sharing here, but uh, I'm, I'm, I love the city so much, JT. I love our community. It is a tremendous place. And, uh, and I can't wait to be – I'm going to be two miles away from my office. So that's going to be – you know, coming from as – as an old, you know, retired Californian, this is um, – that's a hell of a commute. That is unbelievable. And you travel and you go around the world a lot. So airports and everything that we're dealing with airports now when you fly back and forth to L.A., are we going to have a travel passport? A lot of my audience is freaking out that you have to get your double vaccine. They're going to punch your passport. Walk me through the future. How are we going to get into games? How are we going to get through airports? Are we all going to have to be vaccinated with proof of identity? I, you know, we, we may be, and there's, you know, private companies will require, you know, the airlines can require the passport, forget what the government does. The airline's going to say, you can't fly unless you get the passport. Um, And so, you know, but I, I tell everybody who's worried about this to remember that, that, you know, if it, when this, this is going to go away, right? This whole thing's Mm going to go away. The more people that are vaccinated, the closer we get to herd immunity and soon enough, the virus won't have anywhere to go. So at some point, this all becomes, you know, it, it all becomes history. And I, I'm, again, I mean, you look at, look at Israel. I, they, they've had a very aggressive vaccination program, and, and it's, their numbers just dropped completely last, yeah. last two months. So I, I'm encouraged. The number right now in Nevada, the number is something like 38% when you take 16 and above that have had the vaccine or have had COVID. And have antibodies it's i mean we're we're in a really good place in terms of uh, of achieving getting to that you know 50 55 60 percent mark and i i think i'm i'm very excited that we're opening the vaccine up now to younger people and i encourage you know I, my mother's a, in, in pharma been in pharma her whole life they're mm-hmm. very conservative people both my parents they both went out as soon as they were eligible got the vaccine uh, and they're, they, they were totally fine. So I, I encourage everybody to, to do it yeah. and to, to keep us all safe. 
I'm on deck soon. I'm looking forward to it. It's my wife's birthday weekend, so maybe send me the Salmon Ash limo tomorrow because I will have my groove on <laughs> tomorrow. It. it was a long week of work here, but I appreciate your partnership, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it, JT. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You got it, buddy. There he is, Sam and Ash. That's Sam of SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. So Yankees in Toronto in extra innings, bottom of the 10th. Judge struck out to end the inning, but they start with runners. Remember that rule, Bobby? Hey, Bobby, they start with a runner on second base. It worked for Toronto. They got a run, and now the Yankees are down to their final out. Bobby, you're a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Are you good with this runner on second base thing? Because I'm seeing it again, and it's already opening day. I'm not exactly what you would call good with it, but that's evolution. I mean, again, they're not shooting for my demographic, so whatever. Well, I think it's an interesting point here because it worked for Toronto in the top of the inning, and now the Yankees start off with a runner on second. Stanton strikes out. Um, I don't mind it right now, but this game could go another seven, eight, nine innings if they don't start with the runner on second base, and that is baseball going forward. I don't expect it, even though there's still COVID issues. I don't expect them to ever put this genie back in the bottle. We're going to have to live with extra innings and a runner on second base, Bobby, the rest of our lives. They love this new rule. Uh, fine, let them. I, I, I mean, To me, it's AAA baseball, but if that's what they want to do, I'm outvoted, so be it. Great week for you. You put on a lot of great guests, man. Great working with you unbelievable week what do you have for the golden knights how many golden knights games you have i don't have the schedule in the off the top of my head what's the week look like okay tonight they are at home taking on the minnesota wild that's a 7 yes. 30 start by the way and then saturday at six o'clock they'd have another game at home against the wild so back-to-back games against the wild and we talked about how good the wild look yeah the last time we saw them they're they're a really good team to keep an eye on you know, the funny thing about the Golden Knights, I've noticed, though, is when they have a back-to-back, the first game, they usually stink up the joint, and then they come back the second game, and they're like gangbusters. So we'll see what happens. I have a little hope for them for tonight. All right. Great job, Bobby. I appreciate it. We got big weeks coming up here as we prepare for the Raider draft. Hopefully we get Mike Mayock on, Coach Gruden on, either before or after it. Uh, there is a great, great piece of video, if you want to take a look at it, at Raiders.com on Coach Gruden and Marcus Arroyo, the head coach of UNLV, as I emceed the coach's clinic. So if you have a kid who's a football player or you're a coach or you want to be a coach somewhere down the road, I thought it was fantastic. Coach Gruden's staff, uh, Gus Bradley, spoke along with Rod Marinelli. Think of all the combined excellence and years of coaching there. And then UNLV staff spoke, and I thought they did a wonderful job. So big week. Thanks to all of our partners. Congratulations on the M and everything they did, opening up their Tavern and Grill, the Raiders Tavern and Grill. And it's over. Cranky Yankee. Toronto wins 3-2, to two, opening day. What a disaster in the Bronx for the Yankees. We got baseball underway. We'll add that into the Final Four next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. And Raider Nation, get ready. Because it's full-blown Raider draft every day, starting on Monday, leading up to the draft, where we hope the Raiders hit a home run with number 17, move up, do something great, and they're not done. They are not done. Have a great week, everybody. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.